Happy Monday. Welcome into NSN Daily. Alex Margulies, Chris Murray, I'm Brian Samudio, Anthony Resnick, directing it behind the scenes. A uh, bunch to talk about today. Uh, of course, we'll get into Nevada, New Mexico. Uh, and, uh, not of the uh, cleanest performance we've seen out of this team this year, but wins a win. Uh, Wolfpack update will be a commitment from a high school athlete to play for at Nevada football. Uh, we'll have the Raider recap brought to you by the Rail City Ale House, and we'll talk with Scott Edward, who's the uh, donor recruitment manager for Vitalum. They're doing a blood drive, and it starts today. So if you want to be a part of that, we'll uh, we'll dig into that. But uh, yeah, guys, I mean, the slow starts are really starting to kind of concern me a little bit. If 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 you're a broadcaster or a fan, it's almost like it just it takes something to get this thing jump started alex it's we've seen it happen uh now back-to-back weeks can i can i say first uh shout out to my guy scott carey uh is this an appropriate time to say that you never apologize for a win yes yes <laughs> you know i i think it, I, I don't know if the slow start bothers me i think it's just a continuation of what we've seen from this team is that there have been just parts of games where they haven't performed well mm-hmm. there's a quarter here and a quarter there and really every single game there has been a time period whether it's the first quarter, whether it's the third quarter, whether it's the fourth quarter, where they just haven't played very good football, but yet they have been able to find a way to get to 4-0. And I think that, to me, is, is, is real progress and growth for this football team is that, you know, they're showing an ability to win games, and they're showing the ability to make plays when it matters, and they're not playing their absolute best, and yet here they are at 4-0. And so I think, for me, that's really encouraging because I think you can see that the ceiling of this football team is – there is still some room for growth. Like, this is not the best – that this Nevada team can be. Uh, We've seen flashes of brilliance. You know, we continue to see the incredible deep ball game that Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs have developed. And that has been a very consistent thing in every one of their games. And and once again, Romeo uh, just just terrorizing uh, defensive backs and Carson's ability to find him and hit him in the open field. So I think while, yeah, they didn't go out there and blow out New Mexico, that's a tough deal. I mean, you got a team who hasn't won in a very long time, you know, doesn't have a ton to play for. They have a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, from talking to Coach Norvell, they completely changed their defense. Nothing that Nevada saw was anything that they had had any sort of thing to prepare on. And so they threw the kitchen sink at Nevada's offense. I think that was a big reason why Nevada did not play well early in the game is because they were, were completely uh, thrown off uh, and they were able to make adjustments and, and eventually break through that. And I think that uh, in itself is, is also a big victory for the offense and for the team. Yeah, I have good points. Uh, the trick play, the throwback to the quarterback, uh, the onside kick came out of nowhere. Uh, Chris, just your overall thoughts on, on this one. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Alex. I mean, Nevada has its tell the truth Monday and it's Monday. So let's tell the truth. They were lucky they were playing New Mexico, a team that hasn't won a Mountain West game in 18 tries. They haven't won yeah. a game in like 14 calendar months. If they were playing a legitimately good team, they would have lost that game by double digits. But I also enjoyed uh, that Nevada was forthright with that after the game. They weren't sensitive about the fact that they didn't play well. They were the ones saying we were humbled. We have to play better. That's not up to our standard. Carson Strong goes out and uh, breaks a Mountain West record for 300 yard passing games, and he's blaming himself for all of the sacks that were given up. Not his offensive line. He just said he didn't see the correct protection. So, um, you know, they didn't play well, obviously, but they played well enough to win. And when you have a guy like Romeo Dubs, 
that increases your margin for error because Nevada was not able to move the ball really well with its offense because some struggles with the offensive line, including in run blocking where they got no traction. But you have a bigger margin for error when you can just throw the ball up to a guy who's been spectacular this season in Romeo Dubs. And, uh, you know, all three of the touchdowns are on long bombs to Romeo. Uh, on his eight touchdowns this season, they're averaging 41 yards per pass attempt. So they just have this in the back pocket where they can go to this star player and he can go get them some easy points. So credit to Romeo, credit to the Nevada defense. Uh, you know, they're playing the backup quarterback for New Mexico, who was fairly limited, but I think they did a really, really good job in run defense. Um, they made them things, uh, some things difficult for the Lobos, what they wanted to do. Uh, and then they had a huge interception with Tyson Williams that gave Nevada a short field, which was able to give them their first touchdown. I give a lot of credit to New Mexico. I think New Mexico's coaches outcoach Nevada's coaches. And I don't mean that as a slight to the Wolfpack. I just think New Mexico had a great game plan. As Alex mentioned, they did a ton of different things on defense to get pressure on Carson Strong early, get him a little bit frazzled, get him rushing the thing. Uh, the onside kick was obviously brilliant. The trick play for the pass for the touchdown to the quarterback was brilliant. Um, and they were really in this game until the end. And they probably convert a touchdown there if they don't have two drops on the last last series. So, um, you know, good for the Wolfpack to move to 4-0. It's something that they've only done once in its history as an FBS program. So we have to credit Nevada for playing well, while also realizing that the teams that they've beaten so far are 1-13 combined this season, and the four teams left on the schedule are 12-4. and four. So it's going to have to take a better performance moving forward. Um, but you can see that this team could compete for a Mountain West championship when it plays at its ceiling. And even when it plays poorly, it's been able to pull out games, which is also a good sign. Yeah, what I saw was a New Mexico team that was prepared. New Mexico came in and they did not care who they were facing. Uh, I love the the chip. And there you, there was a little after the whistle. You kind of saw a lot of that out of New Mexico. And, we, and Nevada has seen that twice this year. Saw it uh, under Arroyo with UNLV and you saw it with uh, New Mexico as well. Just a little, you know what, you need to respect us as a football team. So uh, I don't think New Mexico goes winless this year. I think they will eventually beat somebody. But uh, Nevada's lucky they probably weren't that first somebody to get beat. They only gave up 20 points on defense, but in a conversation with Alex Margulies on Wolfpack All Access, head coach Jane Overhill talked about his defense being complacent. Where are you seeing the leadership coming from on defense? Like, Who, who are the guys that you've just been really impressed with the way that not only they're performing on the football field, but maybe the way that they're just kind of taking command of that side of the ball? Well, Lawson Hall. Lawson Hall's been amazing. Sam Hammond, they're both captains, and Dom Peterson. I mean, those are those are our war daddies on defense. And, you know, I think, you know, I, I got a little frustrated with some of our guys last night. I thought I thought we were just kind of satisfied being in position instead of just really cutting it loose. And we had an opportunity to make some turnovers. We had an opportunity to have some minus yardage plays in the backfield. And that's just pulling the trigger and 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 uh, and having confidence in your technique and and really being aggressive and and I think that's one thing we want to continue to be aggressive. We want to keep pushing the envelope there. Uh, but uh, you know, I know Dom was not happy last night. I talked to him after the game and and um, you know, and we got to understand if we're going to be a special team, like one of the top teams, uh, you know, a ranked team, or one of the top teams, we got to start really flexing on people. When we get an opportunity to bury a team, we got to bury them. We got to, we got to go into a game uh, uh, with, with the thought of taking the first shot. And, and I've challenged our team to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm really not afraid to say that. Um, we're not quite there yet, you know, and, and um, we need to, we need to find that. You know, we need to find that next step, that next level 
you know, and I think, you know, obviously we're going to get all we want this week. This with this challenge, it's going to, it's going to test us. And, and so this is a year of challenges. It's a year of uh, tests and, you know, we, we, we are certainly capable of playing dominating defense and playing overwhelming offense. And that's something that uh, we're pressing to get. I mean, we keep talking about it every single week, but I mean, we're seeing history right now, guys. Uh, Chris, when it comes to what Carson Strong has done, and I know he blamed himself for a lot of stuff afterwards, but you threw over throw for 336 and three touchdowns. I know the interception streak was snapped, but uh, Carson continues to look uh, miles ahead of where he was last year, and he was good at the end of last year. Yeah, if that's a bad game, then, uh, you know, that, that's really good sign that if your bad game is 335 yards, three touchdowns, only one turnover. So, um, you know, Nevada has a huge advantage with Carson Strong and Rome. And we'll see if defenses are able to adjust, because I think one thing that was noticeable in this game, Nevada was really missing Elijah Cooks. It was missing that other guy that they could go to for key plays. They have a Stovall, they have a Justin Long, Turner made a couple of big plays, but they don't have that other guy. And that's why I'm confused with why Romeo Dubs always gets uh, beyond the, the defense's last line. Like, this is a guy that you should be double teaming on every play. Rocky Long's obviously a great defensive coordinator. I'm not knocking what he did. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Carson and Romeo show is something that's special. And I hope, uh, you know, fans are not taking this for granted. This could be the last year. If Romeo keeps playing like this, I could see him making that jump to the next level. Um, and you just don't get a pairing like this very often. You know, they're roommates, so they have that extra chemistry. And, uh, you know, they, they really are remarkable players I think they're both future NFL players and they're playing really really well right now even if they quote unquote had a down game uh, three touchdowns to Romeo Dubs eight touchdowns in four games um, you know he's been really good and uh, it takes both guys it takes that strong arm of Carson Strong and it takes that competitive speed that Romeo uh, has to take the top off the defense like he's done every game this year. Alex I see you smiling and then uh, nodding your head I mean it's it's it is this is special and and I hope Pac fans are understanding that. It's just fun like, it's fun to watch. I mean, like, I, I, I've never been in a position covering Nevada football where I've seen an offense that can just be so fun to watch sometimes and just getting those big plays. And, and you know, I don't watch a ton of college football. I'll be honest with you. I don't sit there and watch football all game long. So I don't know, you know, the, the full scope of, of what they've done. But I feel pretty confident in saying that you got to think that this is one of the best duos in the country when it comes to being able to make big plays. Uh, you know, maybe I think that's a, you know, Chris is usually really good at those things. Maybe I'll try my, my luck at trying to dig those up. But when you look at just the amount of explosive plays, like those over 40 yard plays that they've already had this early in the season, you have to think that Romeo and Carson are right up there with anybody in the country. I'm, I'm thinking top three, but you know, I'll have to dig into it. All right. Here's some more sound from Wolfpack all access sophomore quarterback, Carson strong and senior linebacker Lawson Hall. The first half, they, they kind of came out in some looks that we weren't expecting they were going to come out in. Um, and it, it falls on my shoulders a lot, how we, how we played. Um, but once, once we started you know, moving the chains easier in the third quarter, I started to find my rhythm. Um, but that first half was brutal. Um, I'm not proud of the way I played. Um, and so I just want to be a lot better for the team next week. They were bringing a lot of, of blitzes and a lot of pressure. Um, I was getting sacked a handful of times. I was getting hit a lot as I was throwing in. You know, I got to uh, adjust the protections better. I got to see where the blitzes are coming from better. Um, I got to help the line out by getting the ball out. Um, I'm not doing anyone any favors by holding it. And uh, I got a long way to go. I got a lot to learn. Um, and I really just need to dive into those blitz looks so I can help out the union and get it picked up. You know, we had high expectations 
coming into this game, you know, we were double point, uh, double digit uh, favorites to win this game, and we came out a little slow. Um, you know, we did the same thing um, last week, and uh, you know, we, we kind of had to get going. Um, you know, to, to win this game. You know, we, we were down a little bit. They had the energy. We had to bring our own energy. Um, and uh, I'm just glad to get it done. Nevada will get its uh, first major, major test of the season, at least on paper. San Diego State comes to town uh, next Saturday, and uh, that'll be a battle against the Aztecs. We'll dive deeper into that matchup as the week goes along. Maybe even talk to somebody behind enemy lines about that. Maybe. Maybe we'll let somebody come on the show that you might know who we're talking about. Um, Alex, Kate McNamara, I mean, welcome to college football on Saturday. Michigan is in shreds right now, but McNamara looked like he was playing for Damani. Yeah, pretty cool to see him uh, get in there and, and get some meaningful playing time for, for the Wolverines. And, and um, you know, Chris, you, you posted on our website, you think that this could cause a, a little controversy? You think McNamara could, could get a chance to start some games? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jim Harbaugh, the coach, didn't uh, say who would be starting the next game. Joe Milton is the sophomore uh, four-star guy who had been starting, but he hasn't been that great this year. And then you have Cade step in there, and he clearly gave them a jolt. I mean, it was a four-play, 75-yard series. It was three for three for Cade on that series. Each pass, 23-plus uh, yards, and each were right on the dot against very good coverage. So, you know, maybe you see the redshirt freshman, Cade McNamara, the Reno, uh, the uh, Damani Ranch High graduate, uh, step in and start to try and give this team a jolt because they need something. I mean, they're one in three. They're going to play Rutgers. That should be a win. So, uh, you know, Kate has certainly done uh, what he needs to do to say I belong uh, as the starter as this team. And now we'll see what Jim Harbaugh says later this week about whether he is ready to install Kate as the starter for the Wolverines. That's crazy how fast a very proud fan base has turned on their golden child in Harbaugh. And uh, it, things are not not right in Ann Arbor right now, but we'll see if Kate McNamara can create a good old-fashioned quarterback controversy with the Maze and Blue. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, your Wolfpack update. How about a new recruit joining the Silver and Blue? We'll tell you about him next. This Wolfpack update is brought to you by Renown Health. It is Monday. That means your Wolfpack update brought to you by Renown. And uh, we'll dip into a little football recruiting here. Chris, out of the Lone Star State, what can you tell me about one Richard Tony Jr.? Yeah, he's a six-foot safety from Arlington, Texas. Plays for Arlington High, which last year was a top 250 team in the nation. So he plays for a very good high school program and uh, committed to Nevada middle of last week. So uh, becomes the 19th commitment in the Wolfpack's 2021 class. By NCAA rule, you can have up to 25 uh, players per class. Nevada might stay a little bit under that because it expects to have some of these seniors who got an extra year of eligibility uh, to come back for next year to be able to come back. So to save some scholarships, they might not go all the way up to the 25 limit, but very athletic, good, good size, six foots, played safety, played cornerback earlier this season. He played an undefeated uh, Grand Prairie High team at Globe Park Life where the uh, Texas Rangers used to play and had a couple of interceptions, including one return for a touchdown. So, uh, you know, a guy who could potentially step in early in his career just because of the coaching and the level of play that he's had over there in Texas. And uh, I mean, that's a state Nevada's got three or four players out of a year, uh, basically the last, uh, you know, 
decade, really. I mean, Coach All started recruiting that uh, area in uh, late in his tenure and then just continued on with Brian Polian and then Matt Mummy uh, and then Bill Best, the new offensive coordinator for the Wolfpack, also have ties into Texas. So an area where they've uh, typically grabbed a couple of players and Tony looks like a pretty good prospect, only a two-star recruit, but he did have a handful of FBS offers, Temple, uh, Akron, Bowling Green, and Troy, probably had about 20 offers in total when you include the FCS schools. So a guy who certainly had some offers, Nevada offered him in late August, and then he committed a couple months after that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this class, Chris, and uh, I, I can't help but just always go straight to the local kid, and Drew Scaleri, uh, committing to Nevada. Yeah, the quarterback out of Bishop Minogue, of course, has the bloodlines of Chris Alt. Uh, is there a player in this in this class so far that and these guys have not been signed? This is just what we have, we have dug up or we have seen via social media players commit on social media all the time. Anybody in here you're really looking at and going, I like that that pickup? Yeah, it was actually the last one to commit before Tony. Uh, JBB is what we were calling him, a running back from Washington, Jocks uh, Badalto Birdsdale. So uh, a guy originally from Africa who moved here uh, about nine years ago and then, uh, you know, was really, really strong for his team in Camas, Washington last season after starting this year with a little bit of an injury. We haven't been able to see him with the senior season because they're not playing high school football right now. They moved everything to the spring. So there are a lot of really good prospects in here. Nevada has uh, of its 19 commitments, 14 being three-star guys. If you look at the overall class, according to 247 sports rankings, they have Nevada seventh out of 12 Mountain West teams. So they kind of see it as an average class. But, you know, I always kind of poo-poo those rankings. Not that they don't put a lot of work in to try and make them as accurate as possible. They just look at Carson Strong. I mean, this guy was the 76th rated uh, pro-style quarterback in his class. Yeah. And now he's potentially one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL uh, or not in the NFL yet in college with a potential NFL future. So, um, you know, these recruiting rankings don't mean a ton to me. Romeo Dubs was a quarterback in high school and, uh, you know, he was a low three star guy. And now he's uh, one of the best wide receivers in college. So um, it, it does interest me with Nevada playing, you know, a little bit better. Let's say they go something like eight or eight, and one or nine and one this season. Uh, they do get into the top 25. Does that change? the kind of athlete that they're able to get to come to the Wolfpack. And will that change their recruiting formula at all? Because Nevada's done a pretty good job of getting these under the radar guys and uh, develop, developing them up to something greater. And, uh, you know, if you if you start to become a regular top 25 team like a Boise State, I mean, Boise State always wins in these Mountain West rankings when it comes to 247 sports, uh, as they should. They always have the most talented roster because they're getting like four-star guys. They're beating half the Pac-12 for their players. Nevada's not in that position now, but if they have this kind of springboard season, what will they do uh, for their recruiting moving forward? A name that I love out of this class is do the Carlton. Carlton Brown III committed back in late July. Uh, he's a 6'6", 200-pound tight end out of San Luis Obispo. Uh, went to Mission College Preparatory Catholic High School. Um, built like Cole Turner. Uh, they already listed him as a tight end, but you know if he you know gets here, red shirts, gray shirts, whatever, and you put him in a weight room and lock him in there for a couple of years, you could put 40 pounds, 50 pounds on, on a young frame like that. And then he had offers in Utah, Oregon State, San Diego State, Utah State, UNLV, Fresno. Um, so big red zone threat. So that's where, that's my name so far as Carlton Brown the third. What a perfect touchdown celebration that would be is to do the Carlton, right? Mm -hmm. you know? And don't ask Alfonso Ribeiro to do the Carlton up at Celebrity Golf. He won't do it for you. He hates doing it. He actually, I got to play with him one year and he says, says he actually hates doing it. That's your Wolfpack update brought to you by the folks over at Renown. Coming up next, we'll dive into the NFL and have your Raider recap. And the Niners are just struggling and 
I'm sorry, Chris. I have to show the highlight of the weekend against your bills. That's next. The following segment is sponsored by Rail City Ale House. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, Raider recap brought to you by the Rail City Ale House. Shannon's been uh, kind of our Raiders insider this season. And uh, Shannon, you know what? Week in and week out, this team, uh, you know what? They play hard. And I know the Broncos are, are not great this year. I only root for the Broncos just basically for number 59, Malik Reed. I just want to see Malik do well. But the Raiders, 37-12, and they, they just laid 27 points on the Broncos in the second half. Yeah, they really did. This one started off slow, no doubt. I mean, it was 10 to 6 at the half. And, you know, the Broncos had some momentum on their side going into half, to, or let me, excuse me, before, right before halftime, um, when the Raiders picked off Drew Locke there right in the red zone. So they had some momentum and they could have taken the lead there. But yeah, it was a slow start, an unusual game. I don't think Derek Carr was very pleased um, with the overall performance after, but sometimes that's just what you have to do to win games. I mean, if the pass isn't isn't working just go on the ground and they did just that I mean Josh Jacobs with two touchdowns and then Devontae Booker a former Bronco as well also with two touchdowns against his former team there uh, but yeah things didn't really get going until the end of the third quarter with that touchdown and then they scored tacked on a couple more in the fourth but one of those weird games um, sometimes that's just the way it happens. Chris where do you see this Raiders team in four weeks I mean I mean you look at you look at their schedule and, and it's, it, I mean, it's not a, a crazy, crazy murder. It's not like a murderer's row. They're not playing, you know, um, the top, top team, but they're going, they're going to be tested. Yeah. They only got two uh, games left against teams with above 500 records right now with the chiefs and the Colts on the schedule. So it's manageable. They can certainly get the 10 wins. I like how they've played over the last three weeks. Uh, they're turning to their ground game. They've had more than 200 rushing yards in two of the last three games. And the one they didn't, they had 160 rushing yards. So they're putting a little bit less on Derek Carr's plate. Uh, they're not turning the ball over as more because as much because they are keeping it on the ground. And then the biggest thing is the defense has been much, much better the last three weeks. Five turnovers in this last game against the Broncos after they had forced just five turnovers, uh, you know, in their first eight games combined. So uh, the defense is playing better, uh, you know, two of the last three games. They've held their opponent to 12 points or less. They're running the ball well. So it's kind of forming an identity that they're going to be this ground and pound team. They're going to get some stops from their defense. Now, I'm not completely sold on the defense just yet but they certainly are playing much better. They are playing hard defensively and they, uh, the offensive line's doing a really good job, uh, not only protecting car, but opening up some holes. So um, they're trending in the right direction and they've already shown, I mean, they're the only team that's beaten the Chiefs, So they've already shown that they can be a high level team as well on a given day. Uh, you know, Derek Carr can make some plays if, if uh, being forced into that, but um, you know, I think they're on the right track. They're doing a really good job. Uh, they're a playoff team right now. And you look at the remainder of that schedule, yeah, they've got a couple of difficult games, but, uh, you know, they've got some winnable games for sure. And I think they're going to win about 10 games, be a wild card team and, uh, you know, face a team like the Bills or the Ravens in the first round. And I think they'll have legitimate shots in those games as well. All right. Let's hear from the Raiders after their win over the Broncos in Vegas on Sunday. We left some uh, some plays out there that our guys are capable of making. And we got to continue to raise the standards here, but um, it is satisfying to win. I got a lot of respect for Coach Fangio and the Broncos. They, uh, they're a difficult secondary to, to maneuver against, and, and Chubb doesn't make it easy back there. But um, five turnovers, uh, that was a, a, a big significant statement, I think, that, that we made, that we're getting better, and um, that was good. Anytime you win in this league, obviously, that's all we care about, right? Um, that's, that's what we want, you know, especially the way we put 37 points up. And I think we left 
we, we definitely left 21 out there, you know, and like gave it, gave it away, you know, and, uh, and that hurts, you know, because we're, I think we're better than that. And, um, you know, I'm excited with the way that we answered. I'm excited with the way that we won the game and, uh, and all those things. And we're proving that we can win in any type of way, you know what I mean? Which is great. It's awesome. Uh, but you still, uh, there's still that taste in your mouth that, that there's just too many big plays, you know, left out there and we got to get that corrected on, on, and it starts with me, you know, with my communication, with my, where I put the ball, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I got to help those guys out. Um, but always excited to win six and three, you know, three and zero in the division is a big deal. Uh, but the division still goes through Kansas City, and we get them next week. Just coming in, the first half, I mean, it was terrible. We was doing a lot of things to beat ourselves, like dropping wide open catches and um, missing missing certain reads and uh, on run plays and things like that. Um, I mean, I, I guess it's just a testament to how good this team can be. Um, eventually, when we start putting it all together, I think we'll put the league on notice. I mean, we put up, what, 30 points playing bad, I mean, for the most part. Uh, so just to try to come in and take everything step by step and execute. Meanwhile, uh, the uh, team that used to call the uh, Bay Area home with them, uh, the 49ers, who uh, obviously are still in Santa Clara. But, uh, yeah, I mean, talk about just being absolutely – outgunned to start this game and then Drew Brees goes down with an injury and you don't know if it's going to be Taysom Hill taking your snaps and they got a little tricky with who who they were going to have in uh, you know uh, I, I, I'm concerned about Drew Brees I never want to see a Hall of, Hall of Famer get hurt but can Jameis Winston and can they take this team to the playoffs Chris yeah, I think so. I mean, Jameis is a quality quarterback. He just turns the ball over far too much. You saw last year when Teddy Bridgewater had to step in for Drew Brees. He played really, really well. It's a system that's kind of built for quarterbacks. Obviously, Sean Payton's a very good coach. Uh, a lot of dink and dunk in that offense. And I think Jameis Winston, what he can give them that Drew Brees can't right now is he can get the ball down the field. So if you get Michael Thomas back healthy, um, you know, I think he can step in there and still be a really, really good team. Uh, I think the biggest question is just, is he going to throw those interceptions? I mean, 30 interceptions last year, that's not going to cut it in the modern NFL so um, you know if Sean Payton can kind of coach some of that out of him scheme some of that out of him I think Jameis is a more than capable quarterback in this league. Shannon when it comes to the 49ers I mean Niners fans have just seen injuries all season long it, it's tough it's tough to keep the faith if you uh, are a fan of the red and gold. Yeah I mean it is tough when you have one injury after another after another and now everything with COVID as well. And, you know, players are in and out and contact tracing, you know, you're with or without guys for who knows how long. I mean, that doesn't help the injuries don't add up, but you just have to have that next man up mentality. I know that's something uh, with the Raiders, Derek Carr's really stressed that that next man up mentality has been big for them this season. And for all teams, really, you have to be prepared because you just don't know what's going to come your way each week. Chris, I hate to show this highlight, but it may be the play of the year. Uh, Kyler Murray, showed me in week one what he can do. I mean, he's going to give teams fits all season long. And, I mean, the Bills are have got the late lead on the Cardinals. This looks like Buffalo is going to walk away and, and improve to eight and two. Murray gets out. He gets away. And what do you do? Of course, you chuck it to DeAndre Hopkins, who comes down with this. But, uh, you know, this NFC West is going to be competitive. The Cardinals might, might well be there right at the end. Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray is the real deal. I got to give a shout out to my cousin, Mr. Murray over there, uh, obviously <laughs> on my bills. But that play made me smile, even though I'm a Bills fan. Like, that's an incredible play. There were six 
uh, hands that all went up at the same time. And DeAndre Hopkins' hands just a little bit higher than the rest. Uh, whenever a Hail Mary connects, it's really, really great. And it wasn't your traditional. I mean, Kyler Murray had to scramble out of the pocket, almost get sacked just to throw that up there. So, uh, yeah, it's a bad loss for the Bills. They uh, took the lead with 35 seconds to go. And you, you think you got the win at that point. But, um, yeah, Kyler's a special player for sure. And it's just cool to see a guy who's right around six feet, if that, uh, being so good in this league. It doesn't happen very often. So, uh, yeah, between him, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, and Garoppolo moving forward, that, that's by far the best division in the NFL. And, uh, you know, kudos to Kyler for making that play. And kudos to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's the one who really did make the play. Uh, you know, I have to do my NFL power rankings in the mailbag, uh, my Monday mailbag. And number one in my power rankings this week is going to be DeAndre Hopkins' hands because uh, he more than deserved it with that play. That was the funny thing. I saw, I've seen the, the close-up picture, and it's three sets of hands, One's wearing Adidas, one's wearing Nike, one has Jordans on. And uh, it's obvious that the Jordans are, are above everybody else. Uh, Chris, let me get your uh, quick uh, quick thoughts as well as Shannon on uh, Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, the Vikings at three and five uh, at the Bears, who are five and four. Minnesota minus three and a half in this one. In a battle of the black and blue division. Yeah, my picks have been horrible this year, but I will go. Uh, Dalvin Cook uh, is incredible. Uh, now he's going to be going against a good Bears run defense. So that's the key matchup. I think if Dalvin gets you 125 yards, the Vikings end up winning this game. And given how he's been running that offensive line, I'll go with the Vikings. Shannon, do you have a dog in this fight or is this uh, just kind of a, a yawn or Monday night football game for you? You know, actually, I do, I do have one in this fight. I have to say I'm going to go with the Vikings on this one. And actually, it wouldn't matter who they're playing just because my dad is a big Vikings fan. So I don't have Vikings on this one. Definitely always have to support his team. He supports my Giants. I support his Vikings. So I'm going to have to go with them. But Vikings and Bears, that's always a good matchup as it has been in years past, too. So we'll see. Hopefully it's a good one. Good divisional game on a Monday night. So if you want to check that out tonight at 515. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, Chris's Profiles of scholarship basketball players for the Wolfpack men's basketball program continues. This time it's the big fella, KJ Hines. That's next. Chris has been diligently counting down the days to uh, Nevada basketball's uh, opener on the men's side, uh, men's and women's basketball. We're hoping and expecting you know, to play at Lawler Event Center uh, this winter, but uh, doing a player profile for every men's scholarship player as we get up toward the uh, season opener. And uh, this time around, it's the big fella, KJ Himes, Chris. Yeah, nine days away. We don't even have a non-conference schedule. So let's hope we're actually playing November 25th. But if they are, KJ Himes will uh, be playing a big role. If you actually look at a per-minute basis, KJ Himes was Nevada's best player in terms of how much they scored and how much they gave up when he was on the court. Obviously, I had some foul trouble issue. Uh, we don't get to go to practice, but in some of these photos, it looks like I'm seeing a little bit more muscle on those arms. Um, and that's a big thing for him. Will he be able to defend without fouling uh, and give the Wolfpack some size down there? I think it's between him and Warren Washington for the starting center this year. But KJ was good last year. Uh, you know, I thought he played really, really well when he was on the court. He obviously can block some shots. He can alter some shots. He finished around the rim. He was able to get to the free throw line. I mean, he's capable enough to shoot threes. I don't think you want him doing that pretty regularly, but he can, uh, you know, shoot it out to the three-point line. So, um, you know, I expect him to take a, a good step forward this year. I mean, one of the few guys who was actually on last year's team and played with them, uh, along with Robbie Robinson, Zane Meeks, and Kane Milling. So, brings a little bit of experience. Uh, he's actually one of the captains of the team as well. Three captains, Grant Shurfield, Des Cambridge, and KJ Heim, so has the respect of the locker room. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll definitely be in a battle for minutes with that front court a little bit deeper than it was last year. Alex, when he came on, on campus, he was he was like a young giraffe. You know, you, you, you could tell him, well, he's just physically still growing. And, I, and he still is. And we've seen this in college athletics. In basketball with big guys, 
a whole lot. I mean, Kevin Pinkney, who was the great, who I think is still playing somewhere overseas, um, came in out of Colton, Colton, California. He was like 6'9", 6'10", and he was like 178 pounds. And I'm like, good Lord. I mean, but KJ really trying to grow into the body. And we saw flashes where you're like, this guy could be a pretty special athlete. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be excited with KJ's journey. I mean, the fact that he was here and got to be around the Martin twins, got to be around the Jordan Carolines. And so you have kind of that foundation of guys that he was around, even though he didn't get to play that year. Then you get him in, in, in last year with Coach Alford and Coach Neal, and, and you saw some of the flashes of what he's capable of. You know, but he didn't really have like that starring role or anything like that. And I'm not so sure he's going to have a starring role this year, but I'm just excited to see his journey. Like, where does this guy end up when he's a senior? And I, I think he's one of those guys you can look back and go, wow, look at the way that this guy develops. And I, I think if you're a Wolfpack fan, one thing you can have confidence in when it comes to a coaching staff that's run by Steve Alford and Craig Neal is that they know how to work with big men. They know how to develop guys down low. And so I, I'm excited to see what the offseason progress has been. I'm excited to see, you know, how that basketball IQ has improved and just being in the right position and using his body and being more physical. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm just very excited to see what that's going to look like this year. And then even beyond that, you know, what does this whole thing look like by the time he's done at Nevada? And that's going to be a very interesting storyline to follow. Yeah, Chris, you bringing up the, uh, we don't even have a non-conference schedule just makes me kind of laugh and go, that's just so 2020 right now. But uh, um, it's been some good news for a former Wolfpack basketball player here in 2020. Cameron Oliver, speaking of a big man who can pretty much do it all, um, signs a two-year deal to return to the Cairns Taipans for Australia. Yeah, really cool news there. That's where he played last year, averaged 17 points, nine rebounds, one and a half blocks, 54% from the field. So it's a really elite league. I mean, they've definitely put some money to get some really good players and signing a two-year deal gives him a little bit of security. I'll, I'll be curious to see if Cam ever makes it back over here to play in the NBA. I still think he has that kind of skill set, but once you don't latch on early on, it's a hard path to get back into the league. So we'll see, but that, that's a really good landing spot for him. I know him and his family really enjoyed it over there. Uh, obviously COVID-19 is not as, as um, prevalent over there right now. So they should be able to get in a full season and uh, you know, it's going to be making six figures to play pro basketball. So it might not be the NBA, but I'm sure he's still having a good time doing it. Alex ESPN is reporting that he does have an NBA out clause in this deal and uh, it's still being courted by NBA teams. So at the end of the line, he's taking care of his family. He's going to get play, get to play professional basketball. But say the Nets call or the Celtics call, he he can go. He can see. He can write his own ticket. Yeah, in the exact language of this ESPN article, it says significantly courted. So yeah, maybe he does end up back in the NBA. And look, when he was in uh, the G League with Delaware and uh, the 76ers organization, he was right there on the doorstep of getting that call. I mean, he was playing phenomenally before he was injured and that derailed him and, and eventually sends him down this path of, of playing in Australia. There's no question that Cam Oliver has the talents to play in the NBA. His athleticism is off the charts. I mean, we've seen amazing basketball players come through this town over the last 20 years. And you have to say that Cam Oliver is, is one of the most talented physically explosive players that have come through Northern Nevada. And so I think that I, like Chris, I, I do think that, he has an NBA skill set, and I, I, I'm very hopeful that he will get another opportunity to play in the United States and to play in the NBA because he is that caliber of player. And, and what a storyline that would be, you know, to go through this winding path. He leaves Nevada early, which some people thought, you know, is that a good idea? You know, he gets the money with the Rockets, but then, you know, it doesn't work out there. Then he gets to the 76ers, and he's on the doorstep and, and then gets hurt and then has to, to kind of go 
this, this other route. And so if this route brings him back to the NBA and he's able to accomplish that, it'd be a, a great story to tell. And, and uh, you know, I, I know one thing for sure, folks here in Northern Nevada are rooting for his success because they just loved watching him play in a Wolfpack uniform. Well, the start of state, we are a gambling state. Chris and Alex, uh, what are your odds that Cameron Oliver actually suits up in an NBA uniform, Chris? I mean, he's still pretty young. He's like, he's younger than the Martin twins. I thought a fun fact, he's like 24. So um, I'll say one out of three. Like I said, it's still difficult to make it over. It's not impossible, but there's a new wave of guys every year. Now you got Jalen Harris trying to push for a job and there's so many limited jobs. Um, to me, he's the most talented player uh, Eric Musselman recruited to Nevada. Yeah. Now, he can make it like the Martin Twins right out of the, the gate. I think there were some issues in terms of focus and determination, which he would admit to, and he's fixed some of those issues as he's matured. Um, but I'll say a one in three chance. I certainly wouldn't write it off because I think the skill set's perfect. He can shoot, he can defend uh, multiple positions, and he can, uh, you know, uh, block at the rim as well, which you don't see out of a lot of guys who are six foot nine. So it's there. Uh, it's just a difficult pass. So one out of three, 33% for me. Alex? Okay, so you're, the question is, is him just appearing, like just getting getting on an NBA game floor and gets suiting up? Of the floor. Yeah, I think Chris is pretty close. I mean, I think that's a good, that's a fair fair uh, ratio. Um, would I go 50-50? That might be a little too aggressive. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to steal Chris's thunder and go with his exact <laughs> number, but I, I just liked it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I think – like, does he have a one in three chance? Yeah, probably. Like, like that sounds about right, considering all the different factors you have to talk about when it comes to, yeah, there are a lot of guys coming in and he's competing against other people. But I do believe, I just believe in his talent uh, that, that, he, that, that somehow, some way is going to give him another shot. And w- when he does, and if he can stay healthy, that's the other part. Can he stay healthy? Because that's just the one thing you just never can predict. Um, but I, I, you, you can, without a doubt, say that he's got the talent. He is a vicious skill set player. He's so unique. Mm-hmm. I mean, six eight, six nine. He can block. He's going to block you. Then he's going to dunk on you. Then he's going to fade back and he's going to hit a three from the top of the key. And I, I can't see an NBA team going. No, nah, we don't want that guy coming off our bench. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter, but if he goes out at Cairns and tears things up for the first X amount of games you know an NBA team's got to come sniffing. So, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to get in the league. I really I really believe that. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, Dustin Johnson finally has a green jacket, and he did it in record style in front of literally dozens of people. <laughs> That's coming up next. Well, it was a Masters like no other. Uh, seeing it in uh, – in November was definitely different. You didn't see the bloom and, and some of that. No spectators. And the spectators literally become a character in this golf tournament, more so than maybe any tournament in the country. But Dustin Johnson walks away with the green jacket at the end. Tiger puts it on him and uh, walks away with a nice little $2.07 million paycheck. Alex, I should have picked up golf when I was a lot younger. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to be a jerk, but I think if you did pick up golf younger, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't be wearing the green jacket at the master. That's a pretty tough one. Yeah. Uh, gold jacket. I got to say gold jacket, green jacket. You know, Who gives sorry, that? I have to drop that in there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what was cool, I was watching some of that post-game interview and they post-match interview, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the gal asked him, was like, you grew up an hour from here. Like, could you have ima- ever imagined in your wildest dreams that not only would you be putting on the green jacket that Tiger Woods is going to be putting it on the, on you. And this is your second major. And he would have never, ever 
believed it in a million years. And I, I love stories like that. It's just so cool. And it, it ought to inspire a lot of people out there. It's like, you just never know. And so, yeah, as much as I told you that, Brian, you probably wouldn't have been that guy. Like maybe you could have. And that's, no. that's the great, that's a great part about life. And, and um, you know, that's what's, what's, what, what is worth getting out of bed every day is you just don't, don't know where your life can go. And when you put your mind to something and, and you dedicate yourself to it. And, and so that's a cool story. Uh, there's no chance I would ever have gotten to that level. I mean, you look at the frame, you look at the athleticism, you look at the mindset, Chris, um, if anybody on uh, questions whether or not Justin Johnson is focused, uh, just watch him play in these pressure situations. And he just kept, he just hitting a wedge to within six feet, hitting a wedge to within eight feet. And he's just calm, cool, collected. And what, how cool to have your brother on the bag. Yeah, I read an ESPN story. Apparently they were kind of called Dumb and Dumber, the Dumb and Dumber brothers <laughs> a few years ago, just because they're kind of aloof. And people are like, well, how much does this mean to him? And it clearly means a lot because you look at this short game. He's a really good wedge player and he's become a really good putter. And it's not all about the distance, which he's always had. Um, he's put a lot into his game for sure. And this is a guy who, you know, this is his second major, but it seems like he should have already won four or five. So this yeah. is deserved more than earned and i'd also like to say thank you to tiger woods for getting a 10 on a part three making me feel better about my game because i don't think i've ever even done that so uh you know he rallied really strongly i think he uh, birdied five of his last six after that 10 on the uh, part three 12th but even the best uh, can get a little bit squirrely like tiger did on that hole i well if he steph curry uh when when the, uh, serena williams when the spaceship comes back to pick them up they're probably still going to let Tiger on the spaceship because mm -hmm. they are not humans. But uh, an incredible performance by Dustin Johnson over the weekend at the Masters. It was definitely just looked a whole lot different. So it was funny to me because they'd been crowing about no spectators at the Masters. No spectators. I'm looking around. I'm like, there's a few hundred people standing around watching this. So if you remember at the Mass at, at Augusta, you get to kind of write your own ticket, I guess. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, very special guest is going to be joining us tomorrow on the show as he gets ready for the NBA draft. We'll tell you who it's, at, who it's going to be next. NBA draft is coming up this week, and uh, we're going to have a very special guest coming on the show tomorrow. Former Nevada guard Jalen Harris will be with us. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts just kind of as we head into draft coverage? you think Jalen made the right decision, and do you think he'll hear his name called? Well, I mean, considering we don't even know if college basketball is going to be played or not at this point in time, maybe he did make the right decision. I don't know. I guess we'll have to just see how that goes. I know uh, people have been impressed with some of his measurables, just his physical attributes. And, you know, when people have looked at that tape and really dug in about what he's able to do on the court, I think a lot of teams will find that this is a guy worth getting into your program and taking a look at. Because I do think he is a guy uh, similar to some guys we've talked about, like the Martin Twins, like, uh, like uh, Cam Oliver. I think he definitely has the athleticism, the basketball IQ, all those different things to, to play in the NBA. Chris, we got 30 seconds left in the show. He tested off the charts. Unbelievable. He was the only athlete at the combine to be top 10 in all of the uh, physical testing measures. 42.5 uh, vertically. We talked about Cam Oliver and his athleticism earlier. He had the Nevada record at 39.5 inches. So uh, Jalen Harris went three inches above that. He really is a super athlete and the production was clearly there for Nevada last year. So hopefully he does get to hear his name called on Wednesday. Looking forward to talking to Jalen Harris on NSN Day tomorrow. For Alex Margulies, Chris Murray and Anthony Resnick, I'm Brian Samudio. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.